A lot of people believe they're gonna make six figures if they go to college. A lot of people just have that in the back of their minds. I mean, I have an inkling of where that came from, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's social media, I think that social media has layered it on with college marketing and just the implication that if you go to college, you'll be rich and you'll get great jobs that every job you apply to is gonna bend over backwards to hire you because you're your four-year communications degree, but that is not the reality. There are no rules. No rules. You're listening to Degree Free on the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Maruyama. Aloha, folks, and welcome back to Degree Free, where we teach you how to get hired without a college degree. We are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. It is great to have you back. Welcome back. Welcome back. As always, Ryan and I are stoked to have you listening with us on the podcast today, and we have quite a lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump into it. The first thing that I wanted to talk about was an update from a famous, famous 2010 paper by uh, Danny Kahneman and Angus Deaton. And this is about how much money buys happiness. Ah. So this is a famous paper or study that said that after $75,000, your happiness doesn't really increase that much. Flat lines. Exactly. And it's very marginal, the increases past $75,000. They've updated this paper now, or at least Danny Kahneman did with this guy, Matthew Killingsworth, who found that was inaccurate. Oh, well, I am shocked. (laughs) I am very excited to talk about this because when I first heard that, I was just like, this is wrong. Yeah. This is completely wrong. This cannot be right. Anybody who thinks that $75,000, you don't get happier after, after that is crazy. Well, because it's it's not so much that the money itself makes you happy. It's the fact that you have access to more things and you probably have less stress in your life because you have more money. One thing that my grandmother used to say all the time, very wise woman, was that money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure helps. And this is exactly the case. Money definitely cannot buy happiness. You can't do that. It, money won't help you with that but money can help you with covering your basis of basic economic needs. And then you can pursue happiness in whatever pursuits afterwards. Yeah, it's it's kind of that Dave Chappelle thing too, is um, something a way that I didn't grow up regarding money because you know it, it wasn't something that was really talked about in my household, like a lot of people, I think. And you know, it's, it's like Dave Chappelle says, money is options. That is something that I think a lot of people don't think about. Actually, we've been doing a TikTok live every single night at 8 p.m. And we were talking about it on the live last night too, talking about the fact that a lot of us are taught to hate money. And I think that a lot of us are taught to hate money because uh, it's not convenient for us to understand it in a way that we can use it as a tool to get where we want to go. I think that if a lot of us were financially literate, we would make different choices in life. And so that this that study I always felt like was part of that. Like, this is enough. Like, not that there's anything wrong with having enough, right? And having a line, but it's just like, oh no, at this point you're, you know, you, you don't need any more money. That's enough for you. And I feel like it was baselining people to tell them not to want more than that. I think there's a lot of things that go behind like money grubbing and basically what you were talking about. When you're a kid, you're taught that money is bad or it's the root of all evil. And that's just 
not accurate, at least not in my worldview. Money helps me to do things with my life. Money is a means to an end. That's it. Yep. And you have to look at it like that. And I think I think a lot of people confuse like loving money, you know, and they think of like Scrooge McDuck and his pool of coins and loving his money, as opposed to people loving the things that uh, money allows them to have, like their time back or the ability to spend on things that allow them to be healthier. You know, there's a lot of lifestyle things that that money opens up to you. And that's something that I think we just yeah, I think money is just demonized a lot. And I find that really interesting, too, because I feel like one of the places that we're taught to hate money the most is college. One of the things that I wondered all the way back in 2010 was when these people made less than $75,000 or when was the last time that these people didn't have money? When were they poor? Mm, Interesting. When was the last time they had those stresses? Because I remember what that's like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's terrible. And there's literally not a problem that money couldn't solve for me back then. To be completely honest, you and I have this conversation a lot. There's still not a single problem that you and I have that money cannot solve. Yep. That's very much true. That's very much true. And it's because they're just, they're just, it opens up options in life and it solves problems. It just does. So what was interesting about the study is that instead of 75,000, it actually goes all the way up. There's some benefits to having more money all the way up to half a million dollars a year. The only reason why they don't have past the half a million dollars a year is because there's no good data on it because not a lot of people make that much. Make that much. But I'm guessing that if you were to pull those people too or you had better data on the people that make half a million dollars a year, you'd see that their happiness went up too. I'm not saying that for every dollar, like dollar per dollar. Yeah, that every dollar more that they make is going to be the same as the amount of happiness that somebody that makes $20 an hour at McDonald's makes, but you happiness will increase. Uh, I always thought that study was a little bit, mm, you know, and everybody quotes it too, like Gary Vee, everybody, you've heard that study all over the place. Everybody talks about that one. They have yeah. for years. And it's a sham. Yeah. It's a sham. Yeah. Everybody, I believe, and this is a, my take. Cap your ambition. I don't know if it's the cap your ambition, but the people that say that don't remember what it's like to make less than $75,000 a year. Ah, uh, they're so far removed from it. Yeah, they don't remember what it's like to have bills, yeah. like real bills, to have made life decisions of which you're now paying for, like going to college, like going into credit card debt, doing all those things. I'm not saying whether those things were good or bad, but like, hey, you made those life decisions and now you're in those, now you're in these places and you have a thousand dollar student loan bill and you have a $500 credit card bill or multiple credit card bills coming in at you and you're making $40,000 a year. Get out of here at $75,000. You're not going to be happier. Yeah. Every incremental dollar after that's crazy. That's insanity. You're not going to be happier if you can just pay your bills. (laughs) Like, okay, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for that. But anyway, that's my rant. And I, and I'm very happy that they went and updated this, even though it was, uh, shouldn't have been published in the first place, I believe. Before I get into my first headline of today, uh, I will say if you want to get more degree free, because why on earth would you not want more of this? You're going to want to run, not walk over to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. It's got job tips. It's got companies that are down credentialing and stuff that Ryan and I think is cool that you're going to want to know about. So go sign up for that now. Okay. So 
What I want to talk about is the fact that the national median salary for bachelor's degree holders, you know what, do you want to guess it? Do you want to guess? What do you think the national median, median, right? So more accurate. What's the national median salary for bachelor's degree holders? People are going to be pissed about this. Uh, $70,000. $70,000. Good guess. Try 47K. That is the national median salary for grads who have between zero and five years of experience after college. So... Um, not only are these graduates overestimating their starting salaries by about $50,000, they're calling it the reality gap, <laughs> which is, a, it's a little funny. Like I feel bad, but at the same time, it's a bit funny because it's, it's the colleges, man. They, they just teach you these completely unrealistic expectations. And so people are graduating and they're only making 47 K and now they have to make a living on 47 K after they paid, you know, upwards of upwards of six figures probably to get their college degrees. And then what these numbers are showing is not only that there is a massive reality gap in the first zero to five years, but also when people get into the middle of their careers, right, mid career, they're still overestimating what they're going to make by about $15,000, which is significant because the median for that is $61,000 a year. A lot of people believe they're going to make six figures if they go to college. A lot of people just have that in the back of their minds. I mean, I have an inkling of where that came from, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's social media. I think that social media has layered it on with college marketing and just the implication that if you go to college, you'll be rich and you'll get great jobs that every job you apply to is going to bend over backwards to hire you because you're your four-year communications degree. But that is not the reality. And what's interesting about this article and the reason I brought it up was because we know that there's a reality gap between what grads expect to make and what they actually make. But what's happening now is apparently Gen Z is smarter than all of us and they are not interested in college. Only 51% of Gen Z are interested in getting a degree at all. That's not even are going to college that is interested, have reported that they are interested in it at all. They are also a lot better than millennials in that what they're looking for when surveyed, what they're looking for from a job is money, which is what you should be looking for from a job because you shouldn't be looking for your meaning, your purpose in life from your job. And so Gen Z is viewing working for an employer much more transactionally, much more realistically than millennials, right? So it's going to be interesting to see as time goes on, you know how companies, especially tech companies, they did all these things to be attractive to millennials in order to make us feel better, right? They let us bring our dogs to work. They do all these things. They do all these activities. But Gen, Gen Z does not care. They're in it for the, they're in it for the cash, which they should because it's work. And so it's going to be interesting to see how companies have to relate to Gen Z. And then as they try to bring them into the workforce and try to hire them, how they're going to cut those things that they built out for millennials, right? Like the big campuses and all these all these stunts, all these things. And so it'll be interesting to see how higher hiring changes as um, they start to hire a different generation. Yeah. So there's a bunch of things there that we could dive a little deeper on. One of the things that I wanted to right off the bat dig into more, which is what you were talking about. I don't even know what Gen Z is anyway, but they're young people, right? Born after 1999. One of the things there was that the happiness in the job and getting fulfillment from the job, that kind of ties in perfectly to what I was talking about at the beginning, which is money does buy happiness. And so I think part of the insinuation from the original study is that you can get happiness from your job as well, as long as you make $75,000 or more, like go seek happiness. Ah, uh, right. Because seeking money- Follow your heart. Yeah, because seeking money past that point 
isn't going to make you happier. Get your basic needs taken care of and then go find happiness in your work, which I think is good, but I don't think that happiness comes from work either. It can, but I don't think it needs to. The first thing is that it's a business transaction and you're providing a service for a price. Yeah, you're exchanging your labor for an agreed upon amount. Exactly. And so they're going to pay that price and you can then take that money, pay your bills, and then go do extracurricular activities, which make you happy. Yeah, that you actually like. <laughs> exactly. There is a caveat there. And I will say that for most people, entrepreneurship is going to be that caveat where you kind of have to enjoy it. Not have to, that's wrong. You definitely don't have to, but you might want to just because you're going to have to spend a lot more time probably and energy in doing it. So you might as well get some fulfillment out of what you're doing because there's no guarantee of a paycheck at the end. Whereas like if it's just a job moving from widgets from here to there. It's fine. As long as it covers your needs. Yeah, you're able to pursue things you actually care about outside of it. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was the expectations of college grads. And I know this from my own personal experience from college. I thought when I got out with my economics degree that I was gonna make 70 to $80,000 a year. And how did I know that? Or how, why did I think that? Because of all of the research that I did on sites like Glassdoor. I, I don't know if Glassdoor was around at the time. I think it was. But like those types of sites that would tell you what to expect. Here's what a economics degree will make your first year out of college. And then here's the second, third, fourth. And it was always 70 and above. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. You know who the most unrealistic aside from journalism majors was? Business majors. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was the business majors, which is so funny to me. That is hilarious because you majored in business. How do you not understand the the lay of the market? You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, I'm sorry, you studied this for a living? I mean, yeah, but you know what? Maybe that's why they well, can't get good I jobs. Think, no, so unrealistic. What I think happened is that they took a more practical approach, the same approach that I took where you go and you're you're looking at all of these things and you're trying to make a decision based off of all of the the input that you're getting but the input that you're getting is garbage Okay, so I have I have a question. And what I'm wondering is because I think about the people I went to school with, and I think about how many of them went and bought college degrees, having literally zero idea, they never once looked at the starting salary that they would make. The first time they ever laid eyes on the starting salary was when they applied for their first job in the interview. And they told them this is how much you'll make and they were shocked. They didn't go anywhere near a salary. They went nowhere near a number. They never laid eyes on the number on, on the salary number that they were going to make until after they had already finished college. And I think that's most people that go to college actually. Okay. So I'm not sure if you had a question there, but what I, you're, what you're saying is exactly what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is that the business people and like for me, economics majors, they're much more analytical probably because they're going into business and economics. And so they take a much more practical approach, which is why they have the highest skew because they go to these things, but it's garbage. Inaccurate number. But it's garbage in, garbage out. That's what I'm saying. And so these other people that don't look and they're just getting a liberal arts degree or they, they don't have an analytical approach to it. They're going for the quote unquote college experience. They're spending 30 grand a year to tap kegs and live in a dorm. Those people don't have as much of a skew because they didn't do as much research because they didn't look it up. They're like, I don't know. I didn't go, I didn't go 
to college because I wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to go for the experience. But then everybody goes to college to at least get a job. That's that's what they think it's going to get them. Yes, yeah. for positive. And I'm not discounting the fact that, you know, the market's changed and the hiring the hiring is crappy and the economy is weird and everything's going on. I'm not discounting that. It's just there are a lot of people that just they just never looked. They never looked. And then they're just shocked. They're like, whoa, that's how much I'm going to make. And it just it, I, I'll just never get over the fact that people didn't look the entire time that they were in school. And then they got and go, wow, it's only it's only thirty six thousand dollars a year. I'm like, yeah. And you spent thirty six thousand dollars a year. Good luck with that. The implication for what you're talking about is crazy in that $47,000 is the median salary when the expectations are much higher than that. That's including all the high in, the high earners too. It's the median, not the average. So it's like, you know, that's, that's what most people are encountering. That doesn't take into account the price that you pay for college and all of the opportunity cost of the time and the experience that you could be working in another job, ideally in the field that you want to be in. Yeah. But also even just the lost, the lost wages of if you had just been making 30 K a year instead of spending it, what that would have done for you. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get into our next topic, if you guys haven't already connect with us on LinkedIn, I'm Ryan Maruyama at LinkedIn. She's Hannah Maruyama on LinkedIn. We'll put the links to everything in the show notes, degreefree.co slash podcast. And that includes the links to everything that we're talking about here today if you want to dig more into it. Also, guys, please leave us a review if you listened to our episode a few weeks ago. Um, leave us a dishonest review. Yeah. Five-star reviews if you can. That would be great. Wherever it is that you get your podcast. Tell Ryan his beard is majestic. When you guys connect with us on LinkedIn as well, send us a note. There's like a feature at the end of it, especially if you're using PC. I'm not sure if it's on mobile, but I know that it's on PC or on the computer, if you connect, there's like, how do you know this person? And then you just press other or whatever. And then it says, add a note, add a note. And let us know what you guys think about this podcast. And if you have an idea for us that you want us to talk about too. The next thing that I want to talk about is something that I've been thinking about because I've been using chat GPT and AI for a little bit for months now. And it has completely changed or aided in the workflow that I do on a daily basis. I mean, it helps me write things. The other day I was actually doing something in Excel and instead of going to Google, I went to chat GPT. Whoa, that's the beginning of the end. Because I needed to, I forgot how to concatenate things. And <laughs> Bless I, you. <laughs> and I forgot, yeah, exactly. I saw, and I forgot how to, I forgot how to separate and concatenate once I've separated things. And so I was like, I don't know, I can read a Google article about this, or I could just go to ChatGPT and I'm sure that they'll give me an answer. And sure enough, within 10 seconds, instead of reading an entire article about how- Part by ads. Right. About belly fat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or just about how whatever SaaS tool blog this is, how that is the best or whatever, I just went to ChatGPT and like, oh, perfect. And it told me exactly the formula that I needed. And I was like, perfect. And then I did a couple of other things that I needed help with. I wonder how scared Google is of ChatGPT and then also TikTok. This, this, is, this is off topic, but about TikTok. 
I read that Facebook actually paid a lobbying group, Meta, so Facebook slash Meta, paid a lobbying group to get a bunch of politicians on both sides of the aisle to say and talk about how bad TikTok is. Meta paid this company to start a fear campaign basically about TikTok so that they could get it banned because right now it's their biggest competition. Thought that was interesting. So I wonder, I would love to see if Google is trying to do a stunt like that for ChatGPT. Because if I was Google, I would be really scared because now people are not going to Google things. They're going to ask an AI instead. Instead of searching the internet, they're just going to ask an AI, hey, what's a good banana bread recipe? And it's over. It's over for Google. Well, that's a perfect example. The things that you need quick answers to like that, like a banana bread recipe or like my example with the Excel, you, you no longer have to go to Google, then go to a blog where the person talks about how their grandmother back in Slovenia used to make this style. It wasn't banana bread. It was actually potato bread. And then when their ancestors brought it over and then like 75... Christopher Columbus. Yeah, <laughs> 7,500 words down, then you get the recipe. After all of their kids have been born, grown and graduated from college in the story. Right, exactly. And so it, it will change the way that search engine optimization is done, SEO. It will change the way that ad words are displayed and, ad, and ads are display ads, like how those sites that run off of those things, like cooking sites and things like that, how they monetize their sites, it's going to revolutionize it. One of the things too, you could do with those types of recipes and such, and I'm getting off topic from what I'm wanting to talk about, but this is all interconnected. So I'll bring it around in a second. But one of the things you could do with those banana bread recipes is that if you're lactose intolerant and you don't want to put butter in it, you could just say, can you give me a lactose intolerant version of this recipe can you give me a lactose free version of this recipe instead of having to guess uh or i'm not a baking soda how do i make it without it exactly Th that that type of thing we're going to use ai like that yeah because that's going to save you like 30 minutes exactly and it's going to save you scrolling scrolling and then having to decipher the information by itself instead of you just getting it in concise bullet points here you go, here's the recipe, here are the ingredients, here are the instructions. Wow. And so that leads me around to the topic, which is like, which jobs are going to be replaced by AI? That's what I was started to wonder after all these months playing with ChatGPT. And MidJourney. Yeah, and all this other stuff. So I wanted to first go a little bit meta and give you the answer that ChatGPT gave me. Because I asked ChatGPT, which jobs are going to be replaced by AI? That's literally exactly minute, what I asked. You asked it. an AI to tell you which jobs are going to be replaced yeah, by why the wouldn't AI. You? No, that makes and so sense. I will post a screenshot to this, but I'm going to read it here too, so you don't have to go. But degreefree.co slash podcast if you want to see the screenshot of this. Artificial intelligence has the potential to automate a wide range of jobs, including those that involve routine, repetitive, and predictable tasks. Here are some examples of jobs that could be replaced by AI in the future. One, data entry and processing jobs. AI-powered software can perform tasks like data entry, data processing, and data analysis with greater speed and accuracy than humans. Two, manufacturing jobs. Robots and other automated systems can perform tasks such as assembling and packaging products, which were traditionally done by humans. Three, transportation and logistics jobs. Self-driving vehicles can replace human drivers in the transportation and logistics industry. 
Four, customer service jobs. Chatbots and virtual assistants can handle simple customer inquiries, freeing up human customer service representatives to handle more complex tasks. Two more, and then I'll stop. Five, accounting and bookkeeping jobs. AI can automate tasks like bookkeeping, auditing, and tax preparation, which were traditionally done by humans. Six, this is the final one they gave, retail and sales jobs. AI-powered chatbots and virtual assistants can handle customer inquiries and sales transactions, reducing the need for human sales representatives. It's important to note that while AI may replace some jobs, it will also create new jobs in fields like data science, machine learning, and software engineering. Additionally, many jobs will require a combination of human and AI skills, so humans and machines will work together to achieve better results. Wow, that's kind of a lot. So I generally agree with what they're saying here. Majority of these jobs may not be automated completely away, but AI is going to have a massive role and it already does in many of these fields in the production and the efficacy of these people in these roles. I think too, a lot of people, what they get worried about is uh, the elimination of jobs. But I think maybe what we should be focused on instead is probably the improvement and creation of jobs. This, if, if people are are big fans of remote work or the four, four day work week, then you want to see AI starting to take more of a front seat because if as it does, it's going to free up humans to work in different ways and at different times. And so I think this is, I mean, this is very similar, I think, to to like the you know the industrial revolution and then the ai the internet you know the internet revolution and now this is the ai revolution and this is just the future you know i, I think it's going to really help it's going to help and i think a lot of people are going to see improvements in the quality of their work life as a result of ai being integrated into these fields yeah definitely i wanted to elaborate a little bit more on which jobs are going to be you know pushed out by ai maybe and basically any job that is data entry or analysis or recognition of numbers or data is going to be disrupted by AI. Oh yeah, because a machine can do that better than a person. Absolutely. If your job right now, like my first internship in college was basically data entry. I mean, it was a little bit of analysis, but it was basically data entry. AI could do it way better than me. Well, humans aren't designed to look at that amount of numbers for that amount of time and make that many decisions, right? The human mind's not really for that. Absolutely. And you got to think, for me, I was tired. I was working full time as a bartender, wouldn't get off till late. Then I went to school full time. And then I also had that internship for like 20 hours a week. Yeah, I was very, very tired that semester of college. And I made a lot of mistakes in that data entry role. Because you're a human. Exactly. But an AI wouldn't. And it could work 24 seven around the clock. So anything like that, where you're putting numbers in or analyzing if there's a difference between certain things, and AI is going to do that. Another thing that people should take into account here is, like I said, not only a better uh, quality of work for humans and less boring work, but I think what's going to happen as well is if things are done by more by AI, what's going to happen is there's going to be more and more need all the time for original thought for creativity. Like it's going to be the rise of the artists and the creatives after this, because you're going to need human creativity because everything is going to be run by AI and it's going to take human ingenuity, human experience in order to look at things in a different way. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think that now is the time to have an opinion, to have an opinion on anything, yeah. to have a human opinion 
on anything. Yes. Because eventually AI is going to... Sterilize things. Exactly. Right. And so I wanted to... I didn't ask the AI which jobs were not going to be disrupted. I, But I have four categories that I think it won't be disrupted. Okay, hit us with them. The first is going to be hard-skilled jobs, like trades. Oh, that makes sense. Right. There's some argument now that new construction builds will be made by robots that use AI because it's a little easier, but maybe in certain aspects of it, like running electrical lines or running plumbing lines. But I think we're very, very far off from that. Yeah. And so hard skill jobs like trades or plumbing or anything like that, like you just think about your own house, how difficult it would be for a robot to come in and assess a problem and do it. I mean, it'll get there eventually, but it's going to be a while. Yeah, maybe it'll get there eventually, but it's going to be a long time. So those are going to be one of the things that it's not going to be disrupted. The second is going to be anything having to do with humans, anything having to do with the interfacing between people. Actual care or actually talking to people on the phone or those things. Yeah, so there's going to be like HR, PR managers, people managers, therapists, psychiatrists, CEOs, or chief executive, whatever. Exactly. Those, all of those things. Just human strategy. Human strategy, but then also strategy, strategy as well. You you might not want your AI making all of your, especially in that last one, you may not want AI making all of your decisions for you, especially if you're like running a company and things like that. You might have the input of AI. Do you think that we'll eventually see a company where the CEO is an AI? I think as a gimmick, yeah, maybe for a day or... That would be really good. Any any companies listening to this, use that as a marketing gimmick. Put AI in charge of your company for one day. Another field where I don't think AI is going to come for is, I think, litigation attorneys. But the legal profession as a whole. I'm... The legal profession as a whole, which is why I literally said litigation attorneys, whereas I think the, all of the back of the house stuff... Oh, that's going to get automated. It's going to get automated away like crazy. And like if you look at estate planning or something like... Maybe not real estate because there's uh, some com- complex deals, business, uh, business attorneys. But I was just, but I was just about to say, a lot of it can be automated away. A, a lot of it, because yeah. it's very manual and very technical, and it doesn't need to be that way. Exactly. But as far as when you go to trial on both sides of the aisle, whether you're the plaintiff or you're the defendant, the way that you argue is going to take creativity and then you're also going to have to sway a jury of your peers which are all humans exactly until we have ai juries because nobody shows up i think ai can help you with your case law and will help you find precedents to build your case but the arguing and then it could also help you you know come up with points for your case but the actual structure of your argument and then presenting that to a jury, I don't think that's going to be disrupted anytime soon. No, I think that'd be tough. That would be tough. I'm sure somebody's working on it, but that'd be tough. Because litigation is a lot of, it's like a chess match. Yeah. Just the way that you're, the way that you're arguing against each other. And then, but then there's also the, the element of like having to convince, you know, jury or judge. Persuasion. Yeah. Persuasion. Right. Exactly. A jury or a judge. And I'm not sure if I'm using, I'm an idiot. So I'm not sure if I'm using litigation correctly here. I think you are. So if but I'm it, an idiot too. So if anybody... <laughs> If I'm using this wrong, please let me know in the YouTube comments when you're watching this video. That'd be great. For the last one is going to be event coordinators or event planners. Sure, you don't want an AI running your wedding or your graduation. Exactly. You're still going to need 
people to handle planning and executing the event. Small human issues. It's mostly having to do with the execution of the event, the actual day of. Yeah. Where once again, it's dealing with people. They have to interface. It's also the energy of somebody who's running something matters too. Right, exactly. And it's not just weddings and everything. It's corporate events. Oh, sure. All, all types of events. It's going to be, it's very complex and it's kind of better to have a human a human be able to decide and prioritize which fires we're going to put out and how we're going to do it yeah and, that's and the least, emotions of the people involved that's at least for now so the the moral of this story at the at the end of it is that kind of just like deep blue with chess and i'm pretty sure it was deep blue or deep mind or whatever the chess ai that beat gary kasparov and i don't know the 2010s or the 2000s or something like that. The AI is better than any human, but the AI and human together is better than just the AI. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's 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 how it's going to pan out too. It's going to be a good compliment. Yeah, it's it's how we use the tool. The tool. And how we think about it for ourselves. Until we have an iRobot scenario on our hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And yeah, that's pretty much it for today's episode. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Leave us a review. Connect with us on LinkedIn. I'm Ryan Maruyama. She's Hannah Maruyama. The show notes are going to be at degreefree.co slash podcast. And if you want to get more Degree Free, go over to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to sign up for a free weekly newsletter. Yep. Until next time, guys. Law.